Welcome to the Retiring Real Estate Investor Podcast, where we will discuss how to defer taxes on the sale of your property, earning passive real estate income, and everything you need to know to go from active investor to passive investor. Join us as we interview passive investment sponsors, explore the journey of other retiring real estate investors, and share our due diligence process we perform to select passive investments. Investment advisory services provided by Insight Investment Advisors, LLC, a registered investment advisor. This podcast is only intended for clients and interested investors residing in the states in which we are registered to provide investment advisory services or exempt from registration. Please contact us to determine if the firm provides investment advisory services in the state where you reside. All content on this podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be considered investment advice. Material presented is believed to be reliable sources, and no representations are made by our firm as to another party's informational accuracy or completeness. Insight Investment Advisors LLC and its representatives do not provide tax or legal advice, and nothing herein should be construed as such. Always consult with your tax advisor or attorney regarding your specific circumstances. All right. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Retiring Real Estate Investor Podcast. I'm your host, Brandon Bruckman. I'm very excited to be joined by Sarah Miss Kelly. Sarah is the founder and creator of High Lie Capital. High Lee Capital? Am I saying Highly that right? Yeah. yeah High Lee Capital. Sad. It's my son Leo and my daughter Hypatia. Their names combined. So there you go. Highly. <laughs> awesome. You're never gonna forget that. <laughs> Say the least. Um, Sarah, describe to our audience um why why you started the firm and and what the focus is. Yeah, so I like to say I grew up in real estate at some level. Um, my mom was a single mom. And when I was three, I met my dad and he was a game changer for me. He was an electrician by day and a real estate investor by night. So I spent a lot of my childhood riding around in his work truck, renovating units, painting, cleaning, running checks to the bank. He was very much um, immersing me in what it's like to manage property. And when I was 16, he passed away and I was kind of thrust into managing his portfolio as, as a young woman, <laughs> which is challenging. And, you know, you kind of grow up very fast. Uh, then from there, I said, look, let me just take this real estate on at a higher level because I did see the beauty that it brought to a family and how it really changed lives. You know, we'd spend summers in Croatia on the beach uh, simply because we had passive income from our assets. So I got into real estate sales at 24. Um, I sold 55 million. I was top agent under 30 for three years in a row. And at the same time, I said, let me build out my portfolio. So I got into private lending, syndications, investing in international real estate. And all of this then led to me you know, having children, which is a huge shift for women, um, if there's any women in your audience. And it really had me reevaluate what I was doing when I was working as a realtor. I was working seven days a week, you know, getting up at 5 a.m., working till 9 p.m. And it just wasn't the lifestyle that I wanted. And I saw that my passive income from my assets was really, you know, generating me enough to live a good life and kind of have more freedom of time, you know, maybe not being a billionaire, but having freedom of time and to sustain my financial needs. And that passion really made me want to create more of a platform for women to close that wealth gap and get them more invested in real estate and get them educated. And that's why I started Highly Capital. And we invest in U.S. multifamily syndications. And also I'm very much in that education space of getting women to understand what's possible through real estate because it's not always a common conversation. No, it is not. And it's one of the reasons why um, I wanted to have you on and have this conversation a bit based off of some of the conversations we've had and the observations that that I've made with with our clients coming coming to us and seeing various different dynamics between couples 
um, dynamics with the difference between just as you described women being sort of thrust into this role that you may not have asked for or signed up for. It's like, okay, well, what do I do now? Um, so I've, I've seen that in person in, in our office and with our clients. Um, but you're coming from uh, just a second on your background, a little bit more, you're coming from a tremendously interesting place of experience of having lived this growing up that I think is really unique uh, compared to maybe some other folks that are in the sort of the syndication multifamily space. They can't tout that kind of experience, can they? I, yeah. I'm very blessed to have grown up in the world of real estate, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, in the trenches, right? And really doing doing the work. So you know exactly what it takes to be to be successful. Um, so let's, let's shift to, let's talk a little bit about then the focus on, on women. So that's maybe, maybe the start us off with, you had brought some stats and some figures with us, start us off on some of that. And we'll kind of bat that around a bit. Yeah. And I can match figures with another kind of story of like when I was 16 and, you know, 99% of investment management firms are owned by white men. And like, look, I was raised by an incredible father, so strong and I'm not raw, raw, but anything. I think that there's just a huge opportunity right now for all of us to kind of work together and pay more attention to where there's missed opportunities. And it's a big financial missed opportunity. I think there's like 25 billion each year is missed by wealth management firms that aren't actually appealing their messaging and targeted marketing to women. And one example of that is when I was 16, you know, I got sat in a wealth management office and there was this really wonderful man. He was very helpful, but he was explaining these investment vehicles to me. And I had no idea what he was talking about. There's like a comic, you know, where there's like that people talking. I honestly don't remember what it was. Maybe, you it's know, the, it's the, uh, it's the, uh, it's Snoopy in the, uh, yeah. Charlie Brown, right? It's, it's right. <laughs> and that's what it sounded like to me. He just kept going on and on and on. And I'm sure he was actually doing great things. And that's the thing. I really think there's a lot of people with wonderful intentions, but I left him within a year. We had a family friend that was in the private lending space. And over the time span of a couple of years, I invested like $500,000 with him because he came into our home. He sat down with me. He treated me like, like a friend. He simplified things. And we, you know, ended up investing in real estate, which I already understood and appreciated. So it's like, the, the missed financial opportunity is there for one, and also understanding how to speak to women in a different way, because there's highly intelligent women out there. It's just a different dynamic. Yeah, 100%. I, I completely agree with you. And I think I think the misstep, um, I'll speak from the, the white guy financial advisor perspective. Um, <laughs> and I think I see it every day. It's, um, it's just not understanding your client. And being so centrally focused on I'm explaining this thing to you and thinking about yourself and not thinking about what's this other person, where they're coming from. I've had vastly different examples of people in our office and levels of sophistication to understand. And the stuff that I'm talking about is it's pretty complicated, right? It is, it is complex. We're talking about 300 plus page PPMs. I mean, it's scary stuff um, for someone to digest without a financial background. Um, and so I, I see it all the time. All walks of life are coming sort of our way. Um, and I have seen the full spectrum. Um, I had, we had a, a couple in the office yesterday where, um, the husband was more of a shoot from the hip kind of guy. And, and the wife has a financial background at, at a big investment firm. And so it was, it was interesting to watch her be more technical 
And then to watch and to watch him be a little less technical, like, oh, I don't understand what she has said. And she's like, what, what are you talking? Why do you not understand that? And watch them kind of watch them kind of bicker about it a little bit. And it's just a lack of it's sort of a lack of understanding. I think where where it comes from from most folks is take the time to make sure that that the people you're talking to understand what the heck you're talking about. Should we start yeah. there. For sure. I actually love that point that you're bringing up. It's not necessarily like a men, women, like whatever situation. It's like, we just need to understand our clients better. It's just that this right now is a huge transfer of wealth. I think it's 30 trillion. McKinsey shared a stat. 30 trillion by 2030 is switching over to baby boomers. And a lot of that is going to be controlled by women. I was a, an example of that, unfortunately, at a very young age, but it's coming. And unless people are able to have these conversations in a way that actually resonates, they're leaving a lot of money on the table. Um, and especially, I think, just empowering women to take control of their finances, because I'm sure, you know, when you have couples come in, women do outlive men. <laughs> like, that's also data. Yeah. And, you know, 70% of women, actually 74%, discover negative financial surprises after a divorce or death of their spouse. And that's not great. I don't think anybody wants to leave that to their partner and their kids. So it's really in, in bringing this to a, a more closely knit conversation earlier on, I think is going to make a massive impact. How do you think that messaging changes? You, you mentioned the, those stats are real. The transfer is coming. It always comes. And 100%, it's it's going to be across all different um, social economic backgrounds are going to going to touch this wealth. How do you think that messaging differs then from say what you see traditionally? Like, how does that messaging tilt towards? Um, how is it more women friendly? Can I say that? Is that the right way? Yeah, for no, it's cool. Like, yeah. I, I honestly just simplify, man, like none of this stuff, I was about to swear, but like none of this needs to be that complicated. Like, look, I get, we all have long documents, like that's a given, but if you go, you can explain things at a more simple level. It doesn't have to be, oh, like, you know, the ROI, the NOI, like blah, blah, blah. Like it just gets, I think a little bit, there's a term you're going to laugh because now you're going to be like, oh, this is what like women say. There's a term called mansplaining. Like I'm going to talk about all this stuff. Like I'm going to make it sound really big and complex. Like, nah, man, like I want to know how, what my return is. I want to know how much I'm putting in, how much I'm getting out. What is the security of my money and get an expert, like a lawyer or somebody to go through a document step-by-step. Step. And a lot of that, like, is that's it. Like, this is not some technical mathematical thing. It's just simplifying and not having it be this big, big, you know, complex thing. <laughs> yeah, I have, um, I have a wife and, and two teenage, now little older daughters. Uh, I've been accused of mansplaining more than one. Okay, so you know that term. <laughs> I do, I do, I do. I occasionally throw it back at them when they do it to me. I'm like, ah, now is that what? Yeah, you're woman-splaining to me. Stop that, right? <laughs> when <laughs> you're trying to tell me about cooking or something, I'm like, no, uh-uh, no. <laughs> Concerts. It's like, okay, I get it. Thank you. Um, so simplification, big giant key there is in doing that. Do you see more of that in, is it the marketing materials that that first touch with, with a potential prospect where that really needs to shine through? 
I would say marketing materials. And also with women, there's a level of relatability. We thrive on relationships. So I find, and that men do this too. So I think everything I'm sharing, like I don't want people to think it's totally pigeonholed. This is just my experience as a woman and from the research that I've done to show what this sector really appreciates and enjoys in an investment perspective, but more of a relationship focused um, approach, right? I'm not all just like stats, data, numbers. A lot of women are actually going to refer other women to an advisor or somebody that they trust. There's a lot more of a referral component. So I would say just if somebody's coming into, um, I was talking to somebody, Edward, Edward Chan, I think he's fantastic. He was a financial advisor. And he said, when women came into the office, instead of having all these screens behind them with all these facts and data, it was like, everything's off. They just come in and they sit down and you have a conversation and you just find out like what their needs are. Same thing with any client, what their challenges are, their fears, their desires, pain points, and just make it more of a conversation and relate what they're saying back to you and back to whatever that product is, that financial product that you have available. So I would say simplifying marketing material, which is very easy to do. uh, And then just also in the approach, making it more relationship focused and less complex. Listening in my seat is a highly underrated skill. There you go. Listening. Talking less is a highly underrated skill. Um, the group I just keep thinking about the group I had in had in yesterday um, to talk to, and I think I let them have the conversation for close to five minutes without me saying saying a word about the material whatsoever. Um, and there's almost nothing on the screen in terms of facts and figures. So I think I did exactly what. Perfect. Advice you may have given me to do that. And it it turned into a wonderful conversation. I think it's a conversation that I don't think, and I see this a lot. I don't think the couples have had this financial conversation before. Mm -hmm. And they're literally having it live in front of me. And I'm watching the emotions are flying, right? And I'm watching some of that happen a little bit. Any advice for maybe folks in my seat or maybe for for anyone approaching this and we watch some of those emotions fly what's what's the best way to to sort of approach that i sort of sat there and kind of let it happen um does that sort of make sense or would you approach that maybe differently yeah i think you obviously don't want to like jump in and and stop a conversation i think what will kind of not have that happen though is if women are involved sooner and that's what's going to change you're not going to have this kind of heated blow up if we are able to have people start building this together as a couple over time in the home so i'd say you probably did a great job it's more that culturally things need to shift a little bit so that there isn't so much um surprises i think it's like you know, when when men are passing away, that's when sometimes women are only only introduced to financial conversations. And I think it's like 80% of widows switch financial advisors within a year wow. of their husband's death. Yeah. So the, the earlier we can have these. So I think for you as an advisor, when when maybe men are coming in to have financial conversations with you, you could suggest, hey, like, you know, is your wife involved? Maybe we could include your wife, you know, if it's appropriate for the conversation and maybe share some of those stats and say, look, like, we want to set your family up. That's my role. So let's do the best we can to set your family up powerfully. And that will be better served if we have every party that has decision-making rights involved in the conversation. Oh, that's a great point. Yeah. And we spend, this is more of our investing side than our real estate side of our business, but it's it's bleeding into the other side too. It's goals. It really is goal-based. So we, I focused, I have to listen to you what you want to do. I would say half our clients come in um, at advanced stages and say, I really am not interested in legacy building. You know, oh, you don't really want to pass it to your kids? Like, no, they're good. We taught them to fish. They're all right. 
Oh, interesting. Like what a different perspective to kind of kind of say, like, all right, so that's how are we going to bounce that last check when you die? Like, let's go, let's go figure this out. Right. And how you do that. But it's just a different sort of way to approach this is sort of what are you trying to achieve? And then it's what gets interesting is, and you're absolutely right. We've got to bring the spouse into the equation earlier. Women live longer. Um, and if they're not involved in these conversations, boy, we get, we get some varying different goals in, in a big way when we actually sit down and have, have some of these conversations. Mm -hmm. Um, maybe shift from the couples a little bit and more of your experience of being sort of thrust into this. And I do see this as well in our office. When you were thrust into that, what was the first thing that, that you were thinking as you went through that? Were you, were you pushed towards that advisor first or did you kind of find that person? Kind of walk us through that maybe a little bit more detail. So the first thing I thought was, I don't want to F this up. (laughs) (laughs) That was literally my first thought. And then it was just stressful. I didn't know. Like I knew the real estate stuff, but from a wealth management perspective, there was, my dad had really set me up well. He wasn't the the parent who's like, F my kids. Like, I don't want to like that. His whole intention wasn't to each their own. Honestly, I'm not, I I really don't care. People can do whatever they want with their life. But his intention was to help me and provide for me and create the life that I'm blessed to live now. Like we're moving down to Costa Rica next week. Like like, we have uh, beautiful assets. We have beautiful family life. We spend a lot of time with our kids. Um, But when I was, when I was that young, I just didn't know where to turn. And I think that's a challenge. It's, It's a little bit better now, I think with social media and we could get into a whole conversation about the good and bad of social media, but maybe for another time. But there's more accessibility to information. And I find one of the issues for women specifically is they don't have proximity to the information. It's not that they're stupid or they don't, you know, want to do something. There's just no proximity because a lot of these deals and investments were never brought to them as options or they didn't know anybody in their circles doing it. So the the real benefit for me was when I had that family friend who was a who is in private lending. Like that was that proximity piece that made a big difference. Now the actual advisor that I um got I got assigned to because I had a when you're when you're a youth and um you have the death of a parent, you get assigned to I don't I don't remember what it's called, but I got assigned people essentially would be the simple answer. Interesting. How do you think, now this, this is an interesting conversation to have a little bit about the social media aspect too, is yes, I would, I would definitely agree. There's more accessibility to information. I think it's just as difficult as ever to figure out what in the heck should I do next? What makes sense? What advice would you give to someone thrust in that situation? We see it all the time. We call them the accidental real estate investor. All of a sudden they have, they have properties right? For an unbeknownst situation that, that wasn't in their control. What's the best piece of advice you can tell, tell folks to sort of get educated? Where do they start? At the end of the day, yeah, no, it's, it's a very great question because it's challenging when you're confronted with something, you want to make good decisions. I would say, look, it's, doesn't matter the vehicle. Like I love real estate. I know you love real estate. I would say whoever gets in that situation, think for themselves a little bit and take the time to say, what am I interested in? Whether am I more interested in stocks and I'm more interested in real estate or whatever that other thing is, and then take the time to educate yourself on it. And I think a lot of us in this society, myself included, we want everything now, um, but it's okay if your money sits for a little bit in a bank account, like it's not the end of the world, even though we're told otherwise. Um, but, you know, go to podcast university. I know that sounds kind of cheesy, but just start exploring and educating yourself on your options after you've kind of found something that resonates with you. And after time, more things will get pulled out. You'll say, oh, maybe I'm more interested in, you know, syndications. Oh, maybe I'm more interested in Airbnbs and just trust yourself 
that whatever you're being pulled to that's of interest, that you can be successful in it. And I think there's a little bit of a natural learning process that's going to have to happen. And slowly, you're going to find people that also, once again, resonate with you, and you can align yourself with them, whether that's a coach, a mentorship program, an online course, like, you know, actually going to traditional education to learn about something more in depth. Uh, So there is a due diligence process as well. You're going to align yourself with people, and then you're going to say, okay, how do I make sure that this is a sound investment? And that's where you don't always have to become an expert. You find experts. So you find a great lawyer. You find a great investment advisor. You find people that have that skill set. And then you can you can veto them too. get referrals, find out what their clients think about them. Like most of the time, it's a mix of the, the soft skills of what resonates with me and then the hard skills of how can I make sure that I'm doing the appropriate research to protect myself. Yeah, that's, those are great. I, I got to pull out a, <laughs> a million things you just said there it was awesome. One, like, yes, be patient, right? This is going to take time. I mean, what you, the, what you just described is a bit time consuming um, and can be daunting. Um, but that education is out there. And it is a great point too, to, to think about as you educate yourself on possible financial options, what does resonate with you? That is not a bad thing. And it's not a quantitative thing. It's not a, it's a very qualitative thing. And that's a hundred percent. Okay. We see shiny object syndrome way too much. Um, where, where folks are chasing and they're chasing after the hot new thing. Don't do that. Please don't do that. There's about a million different ways to make money. Right. And, and it's finding, it's finding what makes the most, most sense for you is, is an is awesome piece of advice. So it help folks kind of think their way through that. Um, God, that's just that's fascinating. I'm trying to think of where I want to spin you next. Um, I I do think it is tremendously interesting to think about. Um, you can check these people as experts too, and I kind of tell people this all the time uh, as they come in and sit and talk with us. Like, well, how do we know that you know you're you're okay? You are you okay? Like, how do we know that? Like, there's easy ways to know that for at least for investment advisors, you can always broker check folks. Um, so even if they're broker dealers or registered investment advisors. You can see if they got naughty marks. That's an easy thing to do. And and background check people. I think people should do more of that and just make sure the folks you're dealing with are legitimate. And of course, make those calls um, on references is always a good thing. For sure. Trust, but verify. That's my motto. Trust, but verify. Um, Because if you go with the wrong, people can go back very fast. And there's so much opportunity to do due diligence. And I think it is that time piece where people are like, I don't, I don't have the time. I don't want to do this and that. And then if you don't, well, you know, these, these aren't small investments. Usually these investments, you're going to be in them for, you know, unless it's a quick, quick thing, it's usually 10, 15, 20 years. And I find that a lot of people, once they're happy with something and they're in something, they tend to stick with it, mm-hmm. right? Like if it's providing them the returns that they want. So just look at how the longevity of what you're going to do and make sure that that time you're going to spend now understand essentially that it's so valuable. Mm-hmm. Is there, is there any, I've sort of debated, we've debated this as a firm a little bit, and I think it's relevant here. Is there any basis of a financial sort of education, really basic level that you would suggest for someone who's thrust into this and is just getting started and figuring out where they where they want to invest? Is there a baseline sort of financial education, accounting, financial statements, or anything like that you would recommend? 
I've heard people say that they, you know, they like to have some kind of business sense or accounting education, like traditional education. I just really think like, and this is an opinion, not the truth, but I think traditional education is on the outs unless you're going to be like a lawyer or a doctor or something that like is standardized practice knowledge. There's just so much opportunity to learn now from books, from courses, from all of these things. So I think, yes, like if you're going to go into real estate, for example, you'll want to understand the basic dynamics of like, what is equity? what is an asset what is a mortgage Um, and that information is readily available so I think understanding the basics of any sector whether that's stocks or real estate you're going to then use that as the foundation for what's next and I don't have an exact resource but I know for myself I've read I don't even know like hundreds of books at this point Um, rich dad poor dad there's a lot of great stuff on bigger pockets there's so many resources it's endless Um, and just if you're going after a resource as well just you know you could look for reviews recommendations see what people think of it just uh, we're very peer-reviewed culture Um, but I would say just getting that foundational knowledge does help a lot I just naturally kind of was put into it um, but it is available to you that's the biggest thing if you're looking for it you can find it yeah be curious try to encourage people to be be a bit curious with the tools that we have Um, you're right all those options are there I am thinking about like (laughs) there might be a course in here like basic investments 101 to sort of think about you know where are you where are you leaning towards and just understanding the dynamics of how you look at investment a versus b if they are in different how do i look at real estate versus stocks it's a hot this is a hot debate that we have all this Very hot debate social media and i don't i i fail to understand um the debate it's it's silly to me um the answers are always both but it is it is interesting to watch that sort of dynamics. I think something like that could be helpful. I don't think that exists. Yeah. I mean, I'm it does. I'll go digging around after the pot. I'll find 16 courses on that. Exactly. <laughs> Everything's already been thought of already. Darn it. Yeah, basically. There's no what is it? I think King Solomon or somebody said there's no new ideas under the sun, and I would agree. <laughs> exactly, right? It's just everyone else's little shine on them. Is yeah. Where where we are. Can you talk more about your move? I'm fascinated by this on a personal. You are living right now in Toronto. Toronto, yeah. Not for long. Not for long. Um, yeah, so my husband and I were both real estate investors and we visited Costa Rica. We've been traveling for years. Once again, one of the blessings of real estate, we've been able to live in Belize, Argentina, a bunch of different countries. And we are moving down to Costa Rica. We had friends that moved down there. And honestly, it's for a few reasons. Partially, it's for our kids. Uh, They're going to go to school in Spanish uh, as well. We want to spend more time in nature. I think there's this pull for a lot of people that I've met who have kind of figured out money at some level. They're financially set and they're looking for more. And I just think for our kids, it's going to be a a great opportunity for them to try something different. Um, We're also able to work remote. Once again, one of the blessings of real estate investing, which I think is a big myth that you have to always be where your assets are and it holds you back. So we're going to move down there for eight months. My son's going to school and then we're going to see if it's going to be a long-term thing because I think you need to try something out before (laughs) you decide uh, entirely if it's going to work for you. But we're super, super excited. No, that's really, that is really exciting. And that's definitely more than just a taste test of trying it out. That's trying it out and then (laughs) some, right? To go through, go through that process. You mentioned before we started, you're going to spend probably a week a week it's, you're going to be more or less offline where you're you're just kind of out of the mix trying to trying to execute this so yeah i think it's a little bit 
little bit more than that. I, I applaud, I applaud you and your family for taking leaps and chances like that. Um, it would be easier to stay home, I would imagine. But oh yeah, way this, easier. <laughs> yeah. But this is exciting, and you're getting a you're getting a slight weather upgrade, which adds. oh, hundred yeah. percent. That's so, perfect. Actually, I should have mentioned the weather. That's a huge <laughs> thing because we hate winter, and Canada is horrible for winter. So that's a big thing too, right? We have the ability to change our climate, which comes with health benefits as well. I would say we're going to be in the sun, more water, fresh air, more natural foods. Like, there's so many reasons we're moving. Um, so we're very very excited once again. Want to find unhappy people? Go to Toronto or Milwaukee, where I'm at. About the end of February. Not happy. Not, no, we hate our um, lives. Happy Midwest, gone. It's absolutely <laughs> gone. We're sick of it. It's even worse if you come here and the weather's the same in April. Do not, yeah. do not come here. It's bad. Yeah. We're very happy. So hopefully more happiness in, in Costa Rica would be the least to say. Anything else you'd like to leave with, um, leave with our listeners? I think it's just you know what, there's, we're in such an exciting time. I think there's so many things changing so fast and this wealth change over and this trajectory is going to happen very quickly. I think it was Lenin who said, you know, and I'm going to butcher this, but it was like, nothing can happen for years. And then in weeks, like a ton of things can happen. And I really feel like right now we're in this like liminal shift in society where we're going to see the money switch over. We're going to see, you know, tech switch over. They're seeing major tech changes and the control of financial advice and guidance from women is going to change fast. I think right now in the U.S., um, there's a bunch of news organizations now that are headed by women and you and I both know how powerful the media is. So that trickle down effect, we're going to start seeing it. So I'd say for anybody that's listening, start taking this seriously, not because it's like, oh no, I have to do this or that, but just start considering that there's a different way to do things. And we can include that in what we're already doing to elevate everybody else and also capture this 25 billion that's being missed because advisors aren't speaking to everyone. Yeah, 100%. That's awesome. No, this has been great. So thank you so much for coming on. Really appreciate it. And uh, until next time, thank you all for listening.